Directing Shakespeare Symposium. What's it all about, Willie? Part 2. On April 28, 2001, Arthur Bartow sat down with Michael Lupu, Mark Bly, Louis Sheeter, and Daniel Fish to discuss the relationship between director and dramaturg at work on a production of Shakespeare. Hello, I'm SDC director Walter Bobby, and you are listening to Masters of the Stage. This program is produced by the Stage Directors and Choreographers Foundation and presented by the American Theatre Wing. The SDCF has released these archives in an effort to further education regarding the crafts of direction and choreography. Because this program was not initially recorded for the purpose of broadcast, it is not of the highest technical quality. Portions of the conversation may have been edited to improve the overall quality of the broadcast. The environment, the space, the world within which this takes place is being dealt with. And from words, the person, the people in the play begin to have their wardrobe and clothes. And actors working with directors and so forth through rehearsal transform those words into real human beings engaged in this event and the experience that is shared between the performers and the audience. And that is that act of transformation. And how do we start this act of transformation? What do we have in order to get that act of transformation out? And I would say that I am uncomfortable with work how you saw Evelyn and so forth. I think how the act of transformation sometimes needs time to discover, to evolve. You may have some sense as to how you want to do the play. But that is like you know that if you ride your subway of the one in nine, that after you get after you get into the station, at, uh, past the station at 116th Street, you know that it's going to come above ground and you'll see Columbia University and so forth. And there is that little vision, that little goal at the end. And how you get there, and, or whether that is really the goal, whatever, that is where the fun begins. And it's very messy. But nevertheless, this, there is this shared goal, and then you discover, you evolve, essentially come to an approach, make choices. And the reason I'm uneasy about concept is the fact that there, there implies a predetermination. And so there is a tendency to fit the play to a concept rather than the act of designing, the act of transformation, is somehow being supported by the play, and somehow it comes out. So that that's my view, and uh, I think I said said. Oh, can I ask you, was there a production going on with the director uh, where you felt that, that you had more input, more of a dramaturgical input, more of an influence? on the director's thinking, on the shape of the production. <coughs> we, we spent the morning and we 
beginning of this talking about the dramaturgical function of the dramaturg, big relationship to text, but now we're moving into uh, the other areas of collaboration, how design influences the text, or the text influences the design. Um, there's a part of a fellow that I did in books um, that uh, I brought to her the idea that because it was right at the beginning of getting into a lot of practitioners in the war, the 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 kettle was, the top of the kettle was going to be almost right. And with that, made, or suggested the world of the military and the whole power quality think that it Your way through the play in which a number of contextual 
presentation items appear. I know directors who have said, I cannot do it summarizing. I could be, but I don't know how long, because after Peter Booth with summarizing, I did not know what to say with the plan. Till the moment comes when you know what you want to say. Joe Downing did a bit summarized it. It was hugely successful. To the point that it was extended, rare thing that the Gussie to extend the And it was even rare more so the Shakespeare play. The quote Edward is a design for it. And the questions about what, how we deal with the play started with a meeting we had in which Joe accepted quite easily the idea that we get a number of Shakespeare's scholars of different persuasions actually to meet with him and myself and have a discussion about the play. I don't know whether you were there when we had this meeting. I knew it was quite early when he knew it was the play. I cannot say that this ultimately paid off or not. But you hear points of view and ideas. It was a professor of the University of Minnesota, a feminist scholar, who focuses on a play in a certain way, particularly related to Jack and Jill section. I don't want to go into the details of it's a lively synthetic of the subject. It's interesting in the subject. And we are six months away to talk about it's a lively. But the participation of these people who were involved in production to teach the play, who studied Shakespeare, whatever, had an echo in the process of deciding that the play with the music in the play ended up being Shakespeare's lyrics, but very contemporary rock kind of music. The costumes were important to set the different of power and how power in the relation with the play would be. And the previous court was almost corporate contemporary power and his appearance at the beginning of the play, her resistance to his position was pretty clear. Sometimes, in my view, perhaps too clear. He didn't leave room, enough room, for people to draw some kind of meaning out of it. The meaning was there very strong. And in my view, it's a matter of taste, too. In my view, when it becomes obvious, it lacks something. It has much, much more than I need. I don't need to put whipped cream on top of butter. The butter is good enough. Whipped cream is good enough. We don't need to put them up. <laughs> so, but overall, the production emerged, and Joe Dowling's thinking was on a continuum. He directed it twice or three times before. He felt that he did not complete his journey with the play. And all these things help the success, the eventual success of it. The casting was there too, and we had to address this casting. Hippolyta and, uh, and Titania were the same woman, the same actor. One of our best actors in Minneapolis, Izzy graduated from the University of Seattle School. But she's a big woman, and when Paul dressed her, the impression you got was of one of these extraordinary African-American divas. 
on the one hand, a history of the way things have been done before, just goes about um, reinforcing or reifying what, what already exists. Uh, and, and what is to be learned from? How do we talk about uh, a, a play? Let, let's just talk about the Twelfth Night, which is the, the play we were just talking about. You know, is it a frivolous comedy in which, you know, the girl dresses up as a guy and gets mistaken for? Or it, uh, in all these plays, um, women getting dressed up as men, uh, do they become monsters, as the text tells us? As she refers to herself as a monster, uh, violent at one point. Um, how, whose story are we telling? What lens are we looking at in terms of, uh, is it, you know, we're talking a lot here about the aunties, interestingly, you know? Uh, and, but, but is it Hermione's story? It, is, is it the story about um, the aunties and his, um, his mistakes, the things he's done wrong, and then how the society turns around and says, it's okay, you paid your price, you can have your wife back. Your family back together, or do we start looking at this through the lens of Hermione? Um, and and I, I think in terms of theory, I think in terms of critical theory, these are some of the things that we can examine, and we can reject. And I'm, I'm not saying we have to embrace these things. Just, again, raising these things as questions um, to sort of, in in some ways, knock us off or thinking about the plays, because there is that thing about tradition that gets handed down to us that we start accepting. We start accepting uh, a, kind, a kind of way of this is how so and so did the play, 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 and that becomes accepted. And maybe there are different ways uh, of looking at it, and uh, that different directors that uh, you know, uh, uh, if, if a woman is to direct, if many women to direct the play, if a person of color is to direct the play, what they will bring to uh, the play through their lens. I guess that's what I'm getting at in terms of the values of these theories. Nick? Oh, can I just throw a curveball here? Absolutely. I, I really like to know because here is uh, this whole damn symposium based on the fact that you guys have a problem with Shakespeare. <laughs> here, Shakespeare. Is that really true? No. 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 So why are we here? I mean, number one. Number two is, if that's the case, then how do we hear demystify, de de deify Shakespeare so that it becomes a live experience that we can do it? But if none of you fear Shakespeare, then what are we talking about? <laughs> no, I have a feeling that it may be interesting that you people need to guide us as to what you would like us to talk about. So having said that, we'll open it to questions. Yeah. All right, yes. I have a question about um, the, the whole idea that we, we all kind of hate concept. No one ever asked us what the concept is when we're doing No Power or, or Harvey. You know, they don't ask us that. But whenever you say you're doing a Shakespeare play, that's the first question that my designers ask me. That's the first question my actors ask me. Uh, anyone that hears about it, they want to know, well, what is your concept? And then I'm stumped. <laughs> uh, because, um, you know, we the practical side of it is we're, we're not, we don't get a year-long uh, rehearsal process, development process. And I'm just wondering if you have any advice for us in terms of what's the best way to um, to uh, introduce 
or, or, or let's say get your designers on the starting steps of what may grow into a concept? Any advice in terms of talking to your designers about your ideas about the play in order to move to that step of having a consistent concept to grow out of a probably limited I, I think that uh, you need to know what you feel the production is about. What, what, what is this piece about? Um, and what, what is the idea about? Uh, and I may have my own feeling on, on what it's about. I mean, like the take on it is Winter's Tale, Leon's history, or my history. I mean, that is, that's, that's what you talk about. And you, and you break that apart and find within that who you're talking how can we best support that idea? But I need for you to have the idea that our and if, if my idea then affects that, I still need for you to grab onto my idea and hold that and, and then tell that idea. You know what I mean? I mean I, I can't I can't provide my idea and then you're gonna provide, provide your idea and then at some place it, it will become the same thing. It needs to somehow be synthesized. I I would say this. Uh, I would say this, that I think the last thing, you see, you have a little problem here, the way you're saying, the nine designers, and I have a feeling that you're talking about designers who are students. Am I correct? No, actually. No, all right. Forget that. Forget <laughs> I think, at least for me, I would love to know why you're doing the play. What makes the play tick for you? What's the payoff? Who are the people? You know, you, 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 you talk about Winter's Tale, you cannot but talk about what this remarkable woman on the mining, what she went through. And, you know, that, that trial scene, that, what is, what do you feel about the way? What is your passion? You cannot talk about way to scale without in some way acknowledging the fact that whether it is a miracle or not a miracle, that there is this miracle. And if I can have a little hand those. Yeah. What really happened? Uh, uh, well, uh, I don't know, but uh, uh, it, was, it was at the, uh, we were, uh, I don't know whether you guys know about this puppy called Rabbi John, John Hirsch. Uh, it was halfway into the Reagan era of our American history. And we were all rather depressed and distressed. <laughs> and, and John used to come to Yale to actually do the designers, directors, and he came and he said, this year, we're going to do Shakespeare that has a miracle. That the world has become so cynical and so much about the, the instant result or everything you do, it can be counted. We need to do something about miracles. And Either we do Winter's Tale, or we do Sibling, or we do Paracles. And we have a uh, directing students, Bob Bill Bob, 
school always fancy himself as if he had never grown out of the age of Montserrat. And he said, Oh, John, come on, miracle. And so John said, Do you ask yourself why you get up in the morning? You get up, you brush your teeth, you go and run, and you could get on with your work. Then, that session was somewhere very late in November, and we were at 102, and we got out of the window, and he said, Mark, he said, assuming you are a man from Mars, I'm going to tell you that that gray thing, with a lot of sticks coming out of it, if you come back in six months, this thing is going to be green. <laughs> now, would you believe it? Now, I will never forget that session. And that, for me, is green. And from that point of view, that is as good a starting point about green statements. Then you're not having to design it properly. And I think in some way, for me, if I were to design it, I would love to know what you think the life of the play is, so that as a designer, I can live the life and therefore the design come out of the world. Just a little sort of quick response. I think we, I, I, I certainly speak for the dramaturg's perch on this. I think we, we set up these impossible events in our mind direction from the first meeting we, we get together and, and we think we have to have all the answers and I think that's you know, something we just put up on ourselves we're unnecessary from experience uh, working with some of the, the Nikki working very closely named Garland Wright the late Garland Wright some of my best working on a play, being around designers, having the greatest impact on design anyway, was consistently with Garland you know, gathering me and set designer like Doug Stein, for example, going to his home, very, very relaxing, sitting around, and Garland not coming in and saying, so I see the play this week. This is what's in my mind. We didn't get to that stage for weeks. Usually, what we started on doing was Garland would start sharing with Doug, and then sort of to me as well, the questions he had about the play. And he would ask these questions not in some sort of faux pedagogical way, but as genuine questions. Doug, what in the world is that about? And so that's where we started. That's where dramaturgy began. I think it should look like the antebellum this or that or set in Mussolini's Mussolini in uh, Italy, but literally asking questions about the play and sort of sneaking up on the design in a way through that. The design is a result of something else. What, what Absolutely right. I, I think this is very, very important because I mean, even when, as a director, if you're coming into a person the editing, what do you think the play is about? Where is your gut about? Why do you play? 
meeting with my cop, you have to articulate that at a first meeting. And so I, I mean, you have you have feelings about it, you have instincts about it. But I think, I mean, the idea of asking questions, and sometimes they're just, you know, what's a shit bet? What's a fair? I mean, my God. And if you set of conventions that inform a certain type of play, the easier it is to stage it. it to be a director that has make sure that the actors don't bump into each other as the saying goes and speak clearly enough for the audience to get. Somebody told, told me one day that in American English and in English we call the public audience in other languages, we call them spectators. Audience is there to hear. Very many people are concerned to make sure that it's clear what the actors are saying. That's why I don't go on stage, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but this makes only a thin, I would say, even insignificant slight, slice of theater. Theater comes. The word theater comes from the Greek word, theatron, which means a place to see. And nowadays, how we see in a context that is so rich in visual culture, in visual elements. We are so much into a video age. How do you make the words be heard in what kind of visual context. I cannot think of theater as not being visual. And most reviewers say the visual part of the show, then they go talk about design. When the director meets with whoever I hope were chosen by the director as design, this stimulus will come to the director as much as the director is going to ask or tell the designers where he or she is going with the play. And the design, it's, more, it's not an agreement, I don't mean it like a contract. 
So there is a convergence of creative minds in the history asking a lot of questions. And as that always is the key to it, asking questions. Gamadu is defined sometimes as a person who has questions more than anyone else. So the director, leave me alone, I don't want to answer all this. I don't know this. But I want to close you with an anecdote which is disappointing you. I was watching him giving advice and talking to design students. And he asked the question, what are you trying to do that here? I don't know what they do. What are you trying to do here? And the student said, I'm trying to solve the problem of having you and if it's like whatever. What are you trying to do? Solve? No artist solves any problems. The artist only create problems. <laughs> and he's absolutely right. Unfortunately, we need to tell managers, production directors, or whoever others, planners, marketers, that we solve the problem and we'll give it to them on a tray. So in turn, they can give it to the public. In turn, the public will buy the tickets and we call that theater. Theater business. That's why most things that I've seen that are outstanding out of usual mold have taken years to be put together. And there are shrewd enough people like Brooke or Mushkin or even I think now Peter Hall is going in this direction to create a show that has a life beyond the four weeks which are planned before you even start talking about the play, but the title is there. And you take the bread out of the oven when it is baked. But I've been saying that for too long. In Romania, I was not better. We had plenty of time. We still did bad
perspective when I look at Shakespeare, I I bring some of that. Um, I don't, and for me it was it was a, a great and, and enduring lesson. Right? more than you know someone telling me the approach or how to do um, how to do it. Let, let me see if I can and I, I can only talk about teaching design students. Is there a difference between talking about off of those that sales versus let's say Shakespeare Bell um, I guess basically no. I think it's you've got to read the play, <laughs> and and I think what is important is how you read the play. Do you get it? Are you living the is the life of the play vivid to you? Can you, can you tell the story? And then if that happens, then in some way. The act of transformation is there. And I, I would not in any way try to even be so arrogant as to have a method of designing Shakespeare or a method of teaching Shakespeare, but how to direct Shakespeare, except by having them do it and ask them a question. Uh, and sometimes our question is not as good as other people's question. But, for example, uh, we were doing Measure for Measure, a second year director's project. And I knew the director feel the play very strongly. But everyone was talking around the play. Oh, they're putting on masks, they're this, they're that. And my sense was that none of them can pick up a pencil and do any drawing. So, unfortunately, I was not at the meeting, and I always try not to be at the first meeting because they never look at me and say, how would you do it? And that's not the way to teach. And so I finally said, and this is maybe, maybe a lousy question. I said, why is measure for measure set in the end? not in Verona or Venice. Why is it in Vienna? It is perhaps the only Shakespeare play that is set in the Austro-German area. Now, why is it? And if you want to talk about design, you may want to talk about the music. What, what is the music that happened Music in the elevator in, 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 in Vienna. Do they play Strauss? Or do they play Bayard? Or do they play Mahler? Or do they play Kurt Bach? And, and interestingly enough, that actually focused the conversation between directors and the designer because somehow there is a concrete somewhat more concrete sense about the behavior of the people and the sound and the smell and the look 
of the people who I am in measure for measure. Now, I have no idea how. I, I, I think the worst thing to do is to create a methodology. I think it is about how you read a play, how you get into it. And ultimately, what kind of story are you telling? Now, that's my view. Which leads me to, I want to ask you, I think you were sitting there, you talk about Winter's Tale, I'm trying to get back to Winter's Tale. Uh, you talk about Winter's Tale, and you say at the end of the Winter's Tale, time come out with a long rope dragging a claw. Am I correct? It was it was She's wearing a dress. Who is? Alexander died, and 
including us at the end, with a reminder that all of it is sort of ruled by what somehow also Shakespeare says in the play. By time, there is a split of time, what's happening between Sicilia and Bohemia, what happened between her dying and her being a statue, resurrecting. All these things are related to time. So Ingmar Bergman had a choice. I'm, I hope that everyone else who is doing the play will have other choices, but equally strong for me to say, oh my God. But that doesn't happen most of the time. No, your reaction is, oh my God, to see the fun. Oh my God, to see this solution to the other To the very end of that. Well, how did you feel about it? Well, obviously. Did you feel it got in the way, or you feel it was, my God. The director winning by taking the credit for the idea. Yeah. No, that's always the case. I mean, you know, and it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where the idea comes from. If it's good, and, 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 and why not? And then 
actually yesterday for Michael Khan and I would we have a big session in Washington. And we all said, now you have to have people skilled. The life in theater is really hard. And if you're constantly unpleasant, why do we, anyone want to work with you? <laughs> so therefore, as designers, even though you know deep down in your heart that any stuff happened to be yours, we always make sure that it's the directors. <laughs> and in some way, because the directors ultimately is doing it. We do not rehearse the actors. And this is why I said, if a designer wins, you are in such trouble because what the hell are you going to do? Therefore, any great design, I would say 50% belongs to the directors. Any great production, great directing, has 25% belongs to the designers. And it doesn't matter. If you begin to talk about territory and ego and getting hurt, then your work has gotten too precious and you better get out. And you can do your work on your own, and you can be an installationist, you can be a sculptor, you can be a painter, and then you, your life is very lonely. <laughs> 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 I remember Peter Brooks' designer from Midsummer Night's Dream. I think she did get a yeah, Sam, Sam uh, because he, she designed this wonderful set, and he's wonderful, and then he threw it all out and started all over and asked for the, another design. She kept giving her whole soul, the spirit and soul and everything and kept simplifying, simplifying until it was this incredible production, but she felt that it was his, not hers, that he had just taken her soul and made it his own. So in that case, it was a very difficult thing for her. But it was a hugely, hugely successful landmark production. But at that time, Sally Jacobs was young. Yes. If she gets older, she would she may figure out way how to be how to enjoy. Yes. I have a question and a comment sort of rolled up what you said. Uh, the question was, who is intimidated about Shakespeare? Well, I am. You are. I am. I'm not afraid to admit it. No, no. <laughs> Let me tell you the progression and tell you what what I want. But I'd like, the model we have set up here is wonderful. I've read Tennessee Williams all over. I need my scholars. I have my scholars. I know all sorts of things about them, but I have my Ms. Yale voucher. Um, I have my teams of everybody I need. And I'm comfortable, love the exploration project, the process came in with all sorts of um, open mind because I'm comfortable and confident. Ask more questions than you can imagine. Okay? But here's a wonderful model. We have scholars, the uh, theory working with practitioners. But approaching Shakespeare, I'm so proud <coughs> to ask a question. What questions do we start with? Because I see, as Doug Hughes, I might not have you, Mark, as my commenter for my first Shakespeare book. 
um, project. And I see it looming. And it's something I want to do. And also, another thing that goes into this is it took me years to have the scholars, the people that write about this, to look at my work and say, oh, yeah, as a female, as a female interpreter. But now I have some validity. In Shakespeare, even now, women directing Shakespeare, people that are writing about Shakespeare, are still looking at the art of the So, where do I go with what? May I ask you back a question? What play by Shakespeare are you dying to give back? Well, Just one. Well, only oh, one. Give me three. Right off the top, Romeo and Juliet. That's the way you said. Right off the top, Romeo and Juliet. Always have. Always have. That's I've been way. asked to do it and have turned it down. Oh, Why? I found nothing else. <laughs> no, I was scared.
Slowly, you, you enter that atmosphere with no preconception. You enter with your own bubble suit, because if you open it up and assume it's going to be oxygen, you may be in trouble. Entering 
and the exploration in that sort of objectified way, I find very useful. And again, it's not about putting the burden on myself and I've got to come up with a concept, but giving myself space to get inside that world that is shaped slowly, slowly, finding out what's the gravity of this place? How do I have to behave in this space? What's the atmosphere? Uh, what's the color of the atmosphere because of that? And some of these answers you may not find out until you get on his feet. Some of Shakespeare's plays don't read as well as they play. And I submit to you that I think Wintersdale is one of those plays that doesn't read as well as it plays. If I may, yes, uh, you know, I, I have total sympathy for people having problems with the language. English was not my native language. When I first came to the U.S., I went to a small college on the West Coast, and I walked right into the one-hour word of lecture, and I could not understand one word. That was really scary. And I discovered that reading Shakespeare is very, very hard. Very, very hard. You know, First of all, I can never get the sense of the play because every time I read the line, I'm coming down to the notes now. <laughs> and then, uh, then I said, well, hell with this way of reading because I'm not getting the story. Then I will read half a page. I said, I am so lost. I'm not just going to go back and read all the notes. Now, therefore, I am with you. Now, I have to tell you, Shakespeare is worth doing. My God, I mean, it's remarkable how many great, I mean, every great he did is, I mean, it's remarkable. And he is such a humanist, and he makes no judgment at all, and he grapples with every issue that touches him. Big, small, plain Hamlet. And someday, it was clear as a bell. Then there was an old recording of Paul Robeson playing Othello, with, uh, with, with Jose Ferrer playing Iago, and Uta Hagen playing the Desdemona. Listening to the, to the thing, suddenly it becomes clear because it is language that actually should be spoken. And I have the tremendous privilege of being the principal designer for Joe Pat. So I spent 11 years doing Shakespeare. And there is nothing like sitting through a technical and dress rehearsal and actually know your Shakespeare. And all the feminists, all the macho, all the stuff that suddenly it becomes absolutely alive. I also, uh, 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 when I'm talking about Shakespeare, I would do a lot of paraphrasing. I would say, what is this scene really about? Let's say on Julius Caesar with with Casca and uh, uh, oh my God! And I would say, well, here is this storm, and this guy come in and say, this is horrible weather. <laughs> all all the monkeys in the zoo are yakking away. Mine is giving birth. I mean, all that stuff. And it's all about the fact that he's telling you this weather is terrible. 
Or I would paraphrase another scene as to use my own language and this is what happened. It's like Iago would say to Othello saying, is that Cassio over there? Oh, no. Um, did he just walk away? Yeah, I would find this here. Oh, that's unimportant. <laughs> now, if you go through a play like this, it takes a lot of work. And you need a help. You need our Yale drama church and so forth to help And you, after you get it, you are able to tell the story. And that is the first step for me. Ultimately, you're saying you need to get in and do it, right? That's get in you and do it. But how you get in there is sometimes is the thing. I remember you mentioned Rabbi John Hirsch. I remember yes. uh, John was asking what his, uh, why he did Shakespeare. And he said, because if I didn't, I would go insane. And, uh, <laughs> but he meant it literally. He did not mean it figuratively. He'd come out of the Holocaust, family destroyed. He walked across Europe as a 16 child who finally uh, settled in Manitoba, Canada, trying to find security and hope. And he said if he could not grapple with these large ideas that Shakespeare has, he would literally have gone insane. And so that's another reason. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a good point. It's another thing which amazes me and rejoices when remarkable actors, remarkable and act Shakespeare. The kids get Shakespeare in a way that they hardly get it when they are called to lead and learn by answer And the medium through which this is happening, the performance, and this whole process of thinking, sorting it out, shaping it, and giving it life on stage today with all the load of meaning that we can muster. It's not about just having actors follow the main rule of the school, get rid of your line. The same and get rid of it, the next line, which very often you encounter when you see modern plays. They just take and go on, and in two hours and a half it's done. <laughs> and that means the long play. Mean <laughs> you had uh, started to answer this and then you you gave it up, and uh, maybe it's already been answered, but uh, many of the productions I direct are in a small college where I don't have any of you people, and I'm confronted with students, and I am designer, I am prop person, I am costume, I am, yeah, I am, yeah, and the students treat me as, you know, this minor deity uh, who has all the answers. What do I do? Uh, how do I express it? Well, I guess, I guess the big question is how do you get them to get inside about Shakespeare or anything? We're back to concept again. Well, no. I no. guess you. I guess it's not concept. I guess. I guess you figure out to get them to to to, to read the play and able to talk about it as if it's real life, and I it is. I, I swear, uh, for undergraduate, now first of all, getting to undergraduate 
education that we'll never get out of it. Uh, I swear, specialization in theater is deadly in undergraduate study. I think you've got to have, you've got to be reasonably educated in order to be working in the theater, and that means that you have to have a decent background in liberal arts education. And that means that you learn how to read a play. And, 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 and I swear, if I, you know, despite my banking problem, for some reason I'm a very good advisor, I didn't take Shakespeare class because I would have flunked out. But I audited all the Shakespeare class in that small college and struggled through it. Now I always remember, this is for me is what wonderful sometimes a great teacher and so forth. I always it was during the time when uh, Eisenhower and Abby Stevenson were running for president. And we were studying Henry Ford Part One. And this teacher, obviously a Democrat, kept saying, you know, read this thing, read Oxford. That sounds like Eisenhower. Prince Hal, that's happening. <laughs> and he would take a speech and talk to him with and said, hey, hey, that's Eisenhower here, you know, in Bobby is not there. Eisenhower with the most completely stuttered without ending. And and here's idea, here's complexity with this And the whole Henry Ford problem came to mind. And for me, there is nothing like saying, wow, you have trouble reading the play. Perhaps you should go and take Shakespeare 101 or something. Let me try and plunk here. Take two minutes. Yes. We are not the first who, with best meaning, have incurred the worst. For the oppressed king and cast down. Myself could else outfrown false fortunes frown. Shall we not see the daughters and the sisters? The no, 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 no. Come, let's away to prison. We two alone will sing like birds in the cage. When thou dost ask me blessing, I kneel down and ask of thee forgiveness. So will we live and pray and tell old tales and laugh at gilded butterflies and hear poor gods talk of court news and will talk with them too who loses and who wins who is in, who is out and take upon the mystery of sins as if we were God's spies you know what playing that? is that complicated? <laughs> at the end of this horrendous ordeal that dear God through. You have this exchange with Cordelia. And it's it's birth, it's fabulous. It has alliteration all over us. But what it says is pretty comprehensible and simple and clear and yeah, to the point. For, for me, I have to look at all the notes and then it comes. <laughs> 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 
we're going to have to break now. You will have uh, after lunch uh, the next panel, and Ming will be uh, conducting and moderating that panel. So you're not losing people on this panel, and I hope that these panel members will be in the audience and ask questions of the next panel. So uh, thank you for your attention. Thank you for listening to Masters of the Stage. This program was made possible by support from Stage Directors and Choreographer Society, the National Labor Union celebrating five decades representing the needs and aspirations of its members.